Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Whose phone is ringing? No, that's my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut the Metacast. Uh, no, we can't cut that. That's we part of the it. joy. Of is that our... part of the joy? Yeah. All right, welcome, Metacasters, to beautiful downtown Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm sitting here with my buddy. Yes, you are. It's the day after Christmas? It is. It's Boxing Day. It is Boxing Day. How did you know that? I watched Doctor Who. Oh, my God. Are you? A, do you like Doctor Who? I do. I, I it's a guilty pleasure. I never knew that. Well, I didn't until like six months ago, and I decided to watch it, and I've been watched, binged watched probably 100 episodes in the really? past like six are months. Are you like, are you like a, what do they call them, the who, whoites? Whovians. Or, are they Whovians? I am a Whovian. <laughs> that is not the name, is it? That is it. It's a freaking Whovian? <laughs> oh my God. It sounds like you're sick. I have no. to have my Whovian removed. <laughs> No, and last night was the big Christmas episode. It was. A friend of ours was over for dinner, for a Christmas dinner, and she's like, she was giving me the history, and I, I wanted to fall asleep. She started, she got turned on to Doctor Who in 2005. Wow. Yeah, and that's when the new stuff started. Is that when the, yeah. is it, that was, she, she was saying that, and she went through, she was telling me like three doctors, and last night he got a new, what, last night was the Christian, he was going to get a new body or something? Yeah, there was a regeneration. A re, yeah, there was a name for it, yes, yeah. a regeneration. Did he regenerate? <laughs> He did. What it's did the he, new doctor. And who is the new doctor? It's a new actor, right? Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Everybody knows him. Yeah, no. yeah. No, no. no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't know you were a Whovian. I am a recent convert, and I'm trying to convert my children to it now. Oh, my also. God, you are not. I am. I in the past two Don't weeks, do it, Josh. In the past two weeks, I have introduced them to Doctor Who and Harry Potter all at the same time. Harry Potter's okay, but Doctor Who? What? How dare you? Be careful. Oh. This might be the end of the Metacast, Bob. What? What? You started it with that <laughs> damn what Ricky Bobby stuff. Now we're now we're becoming a Whovian. <laughs> oh my God, Josh. Yeah. Uh, and then what? We jumped a shark. We did which jump was, to, right, back so, to Happy Days. That's for so you. So it's a Happy Days. That yeah. was for me. What, yeah. what do you mean for me? It's old. What? Uh, oh, thank you, Josh. Are we still recording? Of course we are. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about recruiting. All right. So Merry Christmas, everyone. If we don't talk to you, Happy New Year. Yes. And then the exactly. topic today is recruiting. Right. Recruiting what? Whovians? Yes. Yes. That's, a, oh. that's always the first what or is second that damn question. Thing? What is the weird box he's in the, the telephone booth? The tar- Tardix? Or tar- the Tardis. Tardis? Why is it a weird box? It's a weird box. Come on. It's a box. It's a phone booth, for God's sake. What makes sakes. it weird? Do you ever see the, the special effects not on, on Doctor Who? Yeah, it's not. You don't judge a story by the special effects. Oh, it's the story and the acting. Yes, oh, the characters. Oh, my God. And the character development. Yes. Oh, pardon me. Pardon you, Bob. Uh, I, I know. I must, I must have had my hoover. I would have thought somebody that grew up listening to radio programs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that hurt. Oh, Josh. Oh, my God. That's my Christmas present, wasn't it? Yeah. Let me pull that out of my back. What was that? What? what? I was trying to say the it. The shadow. Who knows? The shadow knows. <laughs> oh, my God, Josh. Cut me some. Uh, all right. So, recruiting. <laughs> This is Metacasters. We this might be a bit frivolous. It's 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 the Christmas cheer that we it have. is. It's the holiday episode. Yeah, the holiday. <laughs> so how does one what what does one look for when recruiting agile team members, Josh? What what do you start? What do you what do you start with? One of the things that I always ask 
um, particularly in the phone screen that I do with someone is uh, pretend I'm a CEO of a startup company and I want to hire you to be my CXO, CTO, CIO, whatever the heck you want to be. Um, and you decide that we should do Agile or some flavor thereof. Why? And explain to me why a company should operate in this fashion. So that's the first thing. And what I try and do, similar to what we've talked about in the past two podcasts, is do they really understand it or are they just going to throw out buzzwords and all the fluff that's out there? Like, are they really going to say, well, this is why you do it? And this is, these are the important core concepts that I believe it brings to a company's execution versus, well, I think the stand-ups are good and blah, blah, I blah. I like the pair program and stuff. Yeah, things like that. So tactic. So what would a good answer, why don't you, like a blow your socks off, I want to pull this person in for an interview, answer look like to you? What would they hit on? Um, a lot of the things that we've talked about and what it really, what I get excited is when they talk about it drives discussions, right? That's what we always talk about is that each of those ceremonies gets people talking about the things that they should be talking about. So when someone starts to narrow in on things like that and spends essentially zero time talking about stand-ups or sprint reviews or whatever, where they talk about that the core is it's trying to get the people to talk about the problems that are there. That's when I get excited. That's when I you know, start thinking, okay, how soon can I get you in? Excuse me. So, so that's that's sort of the, the underlying principles is what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, collaboration. So is I mean probably that's not a phone screen thing. That's probably an interview thing. Is talking to them about you know collaboration or yeah the, yeah with the phone screen the the first thing is I do the first qu- actually essentially the two questions well there's three questions that I ask during the phone screen. The first one is I ask them what they know about the company, um, and I try and fill in the blanks because I've worked at places where the website's not real good at explaining what we do, and maybe the consulting company they're coming through or the recruiter hasn't done a very good job explaining. Um, So I just try and paint that picture because I've been on too many phone screens where we're talking about two different things, and it's a waste of time. So the company and the role probably. Yeah, just to level set to make sure we're both talking about the same thing and the expectations are there, that this is what we're looking for. Versus what you think we're looking for, right? Because um, I've gotten to the end of discussions where I'm all excited, but they it turns out it's a different role than what they thought. Okay. Um, so they want to go go that path. Um, then the second question, the first real question that I ask, is how from a software developer perspective of how they discover the software was their thing, right? Because when I hire a developer um, of any kind, a test engineer, software engineer, release engineer, whatever. What I want to know is that software engineering is at their core, and they are excited about it, and it drives so the passion. Them. Yeah, the passion that. is there. Um, the last thing I want to hear is that, well, you know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in college, and my career counselor said that computer science pays a lot of money, so I decided right. to go there. Like that's okay, we're but done. that's why I decided to do it, Josh. Well, um, yeah. <coughs> But then I found, I'm glad you haven't applied to any of my openings. I would have failed. I would have clearly, <laughs> I would have clearly been filtered out, and I would have been sad. Uh, okay, so then the third is that question. The agile that, question. Yeah, what does agile mean to you? Like, so what's that's the, really central to what you're. I mean, it, and it is. I know that. So it's central to the organization dynamic here. So right. it's really company. It's uh, 
development passion and then it's agile awareness and sort of fundamentals. Right. And then and that's your phone screen. About 30 minutes or so? Tops? Tops. Yeah, tops. Yeah. Some 15 to 30 depends on how much that person talks, right? It's also one of those things of yeah. do they actually answer the question? Yep. Do they answer the question they thought you asked? Like, do they try and paint some picture or do they just go off and launch into this? Well, this is who I am. Right? Right. I didn't ask for a dissertation on every job you've ever had. I've asked these three questions. You know? How do you ascertain team? Uh, I mean, I'm jumping. That's the beginning of the process. I'm almost jumping the stream to the end. How do you ascertain whether you're going to hire someone? Like, what are the what are the things that you know that like the sort of green flags that say you know this I'm going to extend this person an offer? So, what have you discovered along the interview? Uh, sort of mm-hmm. the things that make you want like excited. I'm talking about you're incredibly yeah. excited about someone. What are those things? There's a couple of two part questions that I ask that really dig into that, and they are. Tell me about the best and worst engineer you ever worked with and the best and worst team you've ever work, worked with. And what that does is that is that paints the picture of who they want to be as an engineer and as a member of that team. Right? If they talk about this team that fits a lot with what we're trying to do, then I know that's where they want to go. Maybe they, they aren't there yet. And then the other part is when they talk about the worst of both of those, the key thing that I ask is, okay, well, what did you do about it? Right. Was that person just bad and they needed help and you never gave them help? Was the team struggling and maybe you were part of the problem and you didn't do something when you should have? So those are two key questions that I ask to help me understand without directly asking, you know, what what kind of a teammate are, are you going to be? What kind of teammate do you want to be? So those are the approaches that I take. And then with the team... As the team starts to dig in, they they have them architect a solution. So whatever they know, we don't care about right. language right. or a tool or whatever. Just build a bookstore. And they go through the thinking processes for how would you like how would you attack that? Right, and then we challenge them even when when we know they're right because we want to understand if they're going to be able to handle questions right. And why are we doing this? It doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't you do it like this? and see how firm they are with their knowledge. Because if you really don't know what you're talking about, the likelihood that you'll fold when someone asks a question is much higher, right? So we try and ask when we know they're right and push them and try and get them to change their minds when we know they shouldn't and see if they're going to stay on their ground and help us land on the best solution at the end of the day. Right. I usually nowadays, I mean, years ago I used to poke on design or you know, coding questions, design questions, technical questions. Nowadays, I'm sort of the soft skills guy yeah. as a leader. So I come in and try to ascertain things like passion, like you are. Uh, although I like sitting in on design discussions and seeing how people think. Mm-hmm. I've always been really inquisitive about seeing how, you know, you know those questions where there's no fixed answer. Right. I just want to see, like, a, you know, design a what a ticketing ticket master. Right. How would you design it? Design ticket master to handle what you know, ten million, right. you know, clients or something like that from a web perspective. I don't even care about the design. I just care about what questions they ask and how they're thinking. Yeah. So I, I love I love sort of seeing how someone thinks. 
and how they attack problems and can they handle complexity? Right. And are they thoughtful? I guess what I'm looking for is just thoughtfulness as opposed to, you know, having one size fits all strategy or getting flustered and not not being able to move right. or something. Uh, I look for attitude. I look for in agile. I look for you know collaborate. I, I want egolessness. Mm-hmm. It's hard to interview for that, I think. But I, I don't want I don't want it to be about them. Maybe this is what you're looking for. You know, I want them to say, I want some people to fail. I want them to be comfortable with asking for help, with questions, right. not knowing everything, uh, being able to rely on a team. Uh, and I, I talk a lot about not collaboration per se, but like collaborative activities. Right. Um, I think that's what you're getting at with your good, you know, what's your best team, what's your worst team sort right. of thing. How does someone behave in that sort of situational? That's that's the area where I think, I mean, not that technology doesn't matter, but I mean, it's almost like an agile, you're joining a family. Is yeah. the way I, think I don't it. believe technology really matters. A great developer is a great developer, and a language is just a tool. Yeah. Um, and I really believe that someone that is truly great at solving problems with code can transition tools pretty quickly. Yeah, there's still going to be a long-term ramp-up of understanding every little bit and piece, but if you're good, you're good. I always poke at what, uh, are you a primadonna from the perspective of, like, do you test? Can you write? Will Will you pitch in and do whatever it takes to get the job done versus if you're a back-end developer, is that all you do? Right. So are you parochial in your thinking of what, what's in your play zone versus not, what's not in your play zone? I think that's important. I look for folks. I actually, I, I would almost demand that. I want people who look at getting, being a part of a team, like being a consummate team player, mm-hmm. not, not it being about you, but doing whatever it takes to get the job done. Uh, and if that means you have to like sweep up the stalls, then you sweep up the stalls for a little bit, right? And then you go to design. Do you do you care about that as well? Do you absolutely? Have... Yeah, we 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 try and evaluate: is someone going to have a T shape, right? That whole thing of they have a broad set of skills, one narrow skill that they're exceptional at, and we try and get them as much work in that area as possible because that benefits both the most. But at the end of the day, with most small teams, the likelihood of everything landing perfectly in everybody's skill set is going to be pretty low. Yeah. You know, we're going to have to roll up our sleeves with some technologies maybe we don't prefer to work with, but that's that's what we need as a product. Well, you bring up the interesting like uh, like your small entrepreneurial teams, you need that breadth, you need right. that, you just need people to pitch in. Not even make a big deal out of it or it's not it's not fanfare. It's yeah. just do what it takes to to get the job done. Yeah, the goal is to find folks that you don't have to ask them to do that. They right. recognize a need and know they have the ability to solve it and go do it. The other thing I try, there's this book I read a while. It, it's, it was more for managers. Um, it was called The No Asshole Rule. <laughs> and it was done from, I don't know if you ever heard of it. I it, think I have. There's a professor, I believe it or not, from Sanford who wrote it. Uh, and he, you know, it's the premise is sort of the you know life is too short to work with assholes, right? So just don't. Yeah. And uh, and so it's sort of I look for nice people. I don't know how to quantify it, other than you know, but look for folks who are just sort of everyday people who like you 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 would enjoy working with them. Try to project right. forward and say, could I, you know, could I have a five year relationship with this person from a working point of view? Right. And and are they are they just nice to be around? Do they have a reasonable sense of humor? What do you react to that? What do you think about that sort of the no asshole rule and just nice it's hard to quantify it, but nice people? Yeah, the part that I've struggled with of late is I've become 
very focused on diversity. Like I know when I first started hiring, probably 10 years ago, that I hired me. I kept hiring differing versions of me. <laughs> did you see the horror in my face? I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And, and in the past five years, I've really learned the importance of hiring diversity and diverse opinions and diverse backgrounds and everything. Um, just, just the value that that brings. So while it is important to me that I could see that relationship because we're going to be working very closely, um, it has gotten a bit harder for me to figure that out because, um, that person might be so different than the people I would normally hang out with, you right. know, but it might be really what's good for me and good for the company and good for the team, you right. know, of going outside the box a little bit. I hate saying that, but um, thinking a little bit differently is something that I've tried to challenge myself with hiring is, okay, don't just keep hiring the same person over and over again. So that's the, that's the fear that I have with that approach. But bottom line, you likely see these people more than your family. Right. So if you're not happy coming into work and you're a part of that decision process that decides who comes on board, um, you should probably make sure you're going to be happy coming in. I think you brought up a a good point, though. There's this, there's sort of, you don't want to hire clones. So I, so there's, are they reasonable people to work with? Would you have fun with them? Yeah. But they don't have to be clones. They don't have to be the same personality type. I did, I had that revelation at, uh, at Bell and Howe years ago when I first, that was my first job when I moved to the, to North Carolina and everyone wore, it was a, it was a stark revelation. Everyone was like Dockers. I called it Dockerville. My revelation was every, every engineer had button down collars and, uh, Oxford shirts and Dockers. Right. And it was like, and everyone would come in between like eight thirty and nine o'clock. So there were no early birds and yeah. there were no straggler, you know, the straggler engineer. Right. And we all, we were sort of clones. Uh, and some of them I hired and some of them, a lot of them I didn't, but it was like the organizationally, it was a clone. And I, I started sort of mixing things up. Right. And even though it was hard in a real time embedded systems environment, it's, it's very male dominated because yeah. of the EE background. But we started hiring some women. We started hiring some minorities. We started hiring weirdly sort of different personality types for us. But it was it was a great. It, it actually mixed things up yeah. in the culture a lot. They were. I still think I had the. And it's that book was not out then. But I was still looking for like good people, nice people. Right. Um, I also look for folks that have a passion, not just a passion for software, but a passion for craft. Right. Uh, a passion for quality, a passion for doing things right, not perfectly, but right. Yeah. That's, How do you feel about that? So I agree with that. That's so. That's one thing that I've learned over the years, and I push my teams whenever we're hiring. Is one thing that I have discovered, agree or disagree, is that the core of who someone is is very hard to change, and I would argue is not worth in a corporate setting trying to make that change. That if they reveal who they really are, and if that is generally the core is they're not a nice person, or the core is they really don't care about the quality and craft, going through a performance improvement plan or whatever to try and convert them to your expectations is low. I would agree. You know, so to cycle back to your nice, Right. To me, that's part of really trying to understand the core of what drives this person. Yep. That's what I want to know. Does that align with the vision we have as a company? 
I, I, I would agree. What about folks? We remember we, we had that Metacast a few Metacasts ago. I forget what it was. We were talking about autonomous organization. What was the word? Open allocation. Open allocation. Do you do anything from an open allocation perspective in interviewing? Uh, I'm curious as to. I don't know yet. So do you do any like preemptive, <laughs> preemptive stuff like looking for folks? Like I, I see, I, so I, see, I, think it really I see a reasonable number to, of engineers who like to be told what to do. Yeah. So. So do you do any filtering for that? So or? I do filter for that. You know, one of the things that I know members of our team ask um, is, okay, you have these loosey goosey requirements go right part of that build amazon or build whatever right is seeing if can they run with this or okay. are they going to okay. be horribly dependent on someone feeding them every answer yep. right? so that's going to be them looking at a problem breaking it down and running with it and filling in the gaps you know and the things that we want to hear is this is how we're going to test it. This is how we're going to deploy it. This is how we're going to automate it. This is how we're going to do this and this and this to prove that they're not thinking in that one little row of knowledge that they have. Yeah. Um, so trying to get people that are willing to recognize a need and just go. What about challenging? I, I saw a blog post a while. This was a while or on LinkedIn. And someone was trying to characterize leadership. This was months ago, months and months ago. But I thought of Ralph Kosuba when I reported to Ralph. And they said, you really want to find someone. When, when you have someone reporting to you, you want them to tell you the truth. If yeah. you're a leader, you want someone, if you're lucky enough to find them, you want someone who is your truth teller, no matter what the right. truth is. Whether you hate it or not, you, you want to find that. And they were saying that was the mark of a leader, but also the mark of the person, the follower, who was in a position to tell truth to the leader. So there was right. this synergy between those two. So do you try to, and it's not all positions are like this, but do you, as a leader, do you try to find, like for certain positions, do you try to find someone who's going to tell truth? I mean, yeah. you're intimidating. I'd be scared to death to tell you the truth. So. <laughs> Not uh, probably not, but <laughs> you could hurt yeah. me. Yeah. So, the, but, but you know what I'm saying? The leadership roles and things like that. How do you do? You care about what I just said, and how do you find those folks that are really going to challenge you to be the best leader that you can be? Um, one of my best interview partners would always tackle that question. Um, he would go in and say, "Okay, so Josh said we need to do this. You know it's wrong." What are you going to do about it? How are you going to handle that? How are you going to solve that problem? And again, trying to get back into that that personal confidence. And I know what the hell I'm talking about, right? And I'm not going to be a jerk about it. But listen, this is this is what I know. This is why we should not do this. This is why this will be a mistake. You know, this is short-term thinking. Here's the long-term problems that that's going to generate. Those types of things. Those are things that we want to hear, that we actually ask them, that we put them in that spot. And it's not me asking that question. It's somebody that they would be working with that right. says, hey, listen, we've got this problem. Right. Josh, you know, went on a trip and read Wired magazine and thinks we should we should go do this, right? right. We should drop everything and do Node.js and Bootstrap, right? That's, right? that's my current shiny thing that I'm on. You can ask my team about it right now. Like, hey, we, should, we need to do everything like this. Um, and... And I want folks that are going to tell me, no, and here's why. Or folks that are going to be willing to say, hmm, okay, maybe, 
you know, but here are the problems that we could run into if we go that direction. Well, that's part of that sort of, uh, the, 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 you know, leveling the organization as well. I think it's, you know, one put people with boldness and courage. Right. And then they're saying it. I think one of the, one of the things this article or post was trying to say is hold on to those people because you, they can say something in the interview, but that's just saying it. It's like, how do they behave under, right. under pressure? Yeah. How do they how do they behave when they're in at war and as you're in the game? And you can't interview for that. You you can, you know. I yeah, think that's one, one of the most frustrating things is when you hire someone and they don't execute on what they said right. during the hiring process. Well, one of the things I think I think this blog post was saying is like they they were noticing like some leaders carry people with them yeah. throughout their career because once they find like Ralph and I for example have worked together three times, right. and and I'm not saying I, you know I'm I'm not saying I'm identical to this, but I think part of that reason was we trusted we trusted the dynamic. There was no BS. Right. And there was just honesty. And all I care about is being the best, creating the best organization. I mean, it's not ego right. at all. And we sort of knew that in each other. So so I think that's part of the dynamic is you interview for some of that. But if you find someone like that, you what? You know, but if you can, you carry them with, or you ask them to carry you, yeah. know, you with them yeah. throughout the career because they're they're unique. I think it's that's a rare trait. Um, so I got one question for you. Oh, um, I've been trying to tee things up to you. Location. This is one of those things that I've been struggling with. Um, we're, keep, we're in Cary. I know. We're, we're, we're in are, Raleigh. We, we, we aren't in Cary. We're in Raleigh. We're in Raleigh. Oh, see? I failed it. <laughs> we're in Raleigh. <laughs> uh, so, and I struggle with this because there are... Things that I do here locally in Raleigh that I'm very passionate about, an accelerator, things like that, trying to generate the startup community as I think it could be here in Raleigh. So this is one of those difficult questions that I wrestle with myself because it almost contradicts some of the things I'm trying to do. But it's hard to argue with the fact that with a global workforce, are the best developers in the world, the best teammates in the world, not necessarily right next door? Like, can you build an effective team, an agile operating team with a global workforce? I, I don't know. I have, I have not yeah. personally. Right. I've done outsourcing. I've outsourced with my partner now, Velocity Partners, mm-hmm. and we created, they created high-performance agile teams. I was very happy with that. Um, and and I've heard about it, but I've also heard, you know, I've never personally created. Uh, what are so? So if your question is, can you find a partner? I think yes. Uh, can you partner with uh, firms that produce agile teams and have the right mindset? Yes. It's um, give me give me an example of one of these small entrepreneurial companies where they. I, I'm, I'm blanking on it. There's, uh, I know some folks who who work at these companies, and, and no one is in one place. Yeah, right. So say it's so, like a hundred people in right. the company, and everybody's everywhere. And you know, five of them are in San Francisco, or ten of them are in the core of San Francisco, and then you know, the ninety-five other people are spread around the around the planet. Right. And they and they create this sort of open sourcey. Uh, what team and they and then they they espouse how great that is how agile they are how collaborative they are right I've never built one I've never built one of those uh, and I don't see how it works right. I honestly don't see how you interview for it I don't see how it works so I, I'm not just trustful of it 
but I've never, that's a weird dynamic, right? right. With, with 95 people spread around the world, how do you create cohesion? Mm -hmm. And they talk about what the wikis help right? and, and what pairing software helps. I don't buy that. I, I, I don't, so where's the face-to-face -face sort of interaction? I don't have a good example. I'm not doubting it. Yeah. I've just personally never built it. Yeah, this is one of those things like open allocation I've been thinking a lot about about your your odds of finding someone that's great is higher if you broaden your search outside of 50 miles. I would agree with that, you know. But the execution but once you, that someone's identified is the part how, that I really struggle with. And and it's not just that the risk. Right. Right? I remember Lisa Crispin was a is a tester uh, and there's a there's an agile company. So she's an ad. She's written a book. She's written the book on agile testing. Mm -hmm. There was a company in Florida that was all in on agile around the Tallahassee area or whatever, Jacksonville I think area. They're relatively famous, and although I forget who they are, they're famous as an agile adopter, and they they've been doing it well. Uh, they brought her in. She's in Colorado. They brought her in as what a a. A remote tester, right? And it failed after like two or three months, and she was incredibly excited about it. And I just think the the dynamic didn't work out. So how do you integrate with the teams? Right. How do you how do you interview folks like that? How do you make sure you're aligned? I think those companies have a lot of what they don't talk about is the failures, right? Of bringing someone in, and then how do you divest this ugly? Right? It's just I guess it's easier to cut the cord with remote people sometimes, but right? But what does that dynamic look like? I, I've never done that well. I've, I've also done remote folks that I contact. For example, there was a guy. He was from Michigan. His family had some health issues, and he wanted to move his family from North Carolina up there. And uh, he he was Nate was great, and he worked. We worked with him face to face for a year, and then he he went away. He's still. He worked with Eye Contact. He just left there and went with another director, who uh, Mark uh, Riedemann, mm -hmm. who left there and and is with another company. And Nate picked him up, so he's still working remotely with people that he worked with down here. Right, and it's incredibly successful. But he had that one year of FaceTime, if that makes sense. And even the right. technologies are different in moving to a company. But he had that one year to establish relationships. We're talking about picking someone up in Finland. Right. And just making them a part of the team. Yeah. Right? Based on what? A Skype call. Yeah. Basically. And and I'm not to, I'm not I'm actually trying not to sound like a doubting Thomas because I'm I just I have never made that happen. Yeah. I and agree. It it's seems, one of, right. It's just like I said with open allocation. I see things going that way, but I honestly struggle with how I would execute on making that move. You know, that's one of those things that I think to build a truly world-class organization, as much as I want to do it in Raleigh and with people here in Raleigh in the Triangle area, that's what I really, really want to make happen. But am I being short-sighted by limiting a search to within a 50-mile radius? That if there's someone that attaches to our mission and values and believes in where we're going and has the insane ability to help us get there faster... Um, it seems like I should find a way to make that happen. And I don't know how to do that See, yet. See, I think you just said something there that's a key. I, I think it's I think it's interviewing, but I think it's creating that initial kernel of a culture and a mission and a vision yeah. and a web presence and, and a mission. And and then people gravitate towards that. Correct. And it, and they self filter. 
So if you put a little bit up, there was this weird website I was looking at, Bitly. It was a website that's an aggregator, mm -hmm. and there's 15 people. I looked at their website, and I looked at the team. There's 15 people in Lausanne, Switzerland, right. and they're recruiting a couple developers. And they they had a little half of a page that talked about their culture, and they had a job description for what they were looking for. But really, to me, it was this, this social media aggregator is what it is. And right. then you have an editor who you edit, you say, I want to talk about this stuff, and it aggregates, and then you become the editor of this topic. Right. And it self-aggregates. So there's a very large database is a very, very, you know, a lot of search-intensive stuff. And I was thinking to myself, you know, the people that would apply, they're, they're, there's, so you look at the website, and it tells you what they're doing. Right. And and you, you almost know the technologies. And then you look at the job description. Then you look at the founder list. You look at the 15 people. Well, by the time someone applies, they've sort of what? They've sort of self-filtered a lot. Right. Do you think? I think that's part of that. That's what I think really like good Wikipedia, companies do. Like Wikipedia. Yeah. Right? I think these companies, they have an identity. Yeah, that's one thing that I focus very... And I know it, here at Step Leader, I'm not doing a good enough job. But... Um, that I really focus on trying to build a brand as an engineering organization where people, number one, understand what the heck we do um, and understand the type of culture that we're creating and try and get people to latch onto that and want to help make that happen. But I believe very strongly in folks like Etsy and their Codis Craft blog and things like that of really trying to say, hey, this is who we are, um, putting themselves out there and that's a recruiting tool. That's what I'm... It's a filtering tool, too. Yeah. It's recruiting and it's filtering. And I think you'd have to... I think you'd have to do that in order to successfully... You know, it's part interviewing. It's part job descriptions. It's part team, you know, maybe pairing. Right. But it's equally a part... You know, are we getting people that are already... I mean, they're, they're like pre-qualified. Right. They know us. They know what we do. And they're excited about it. And, and they want to contribute to it in, in whatever way. Yeah. So, so that's that's part of it. And the harsh reality is not not every company can do that. Right. Not every company has this set what this this clear mission and vision, this clear goal. Uh, is it compelling, right? To to a wide to that wider audience. Appia is a company that's what in Durham and they're yeah. a startup and things. But even they, I don't I don't see them. I mean, they're commercially exciting, but a lot of times it's beyond just commercial excitement. Right. Uh, you're doing something leading edge. You're doing something social. You're doing something green. Uh, there's a company in Chapel Hill that they're part of the Gates Foundation, and they're they're doing this measurement stuff that measures like seasonal influences of like mosquitoes, and wow. so that you can in Africa, so that you can look at what the the weather conditions. Mm -hmm. They have like weather metric data. They look at weather conditions and do mosquito predictions, so that they can retarget what uh, malaria drops to areas they can almost pre-predict huh. where to get the stuff so that you can handle any outbreaks well that's like what that excites me yeah i'm not a database you guy. would go write some code for that i can't and i'm <laughs> but i would try to write some code for that that was compelling now that may be an extreme case but i mean i can see people around the world you look at that and you you know so there's some folks who would get really jazzed up about that yeah now give them some really high tech you know, in, in some high-tech backgrounds, and they'd be equally excited to contribute to that. Mm -hmm. The other thing is salary is less of a... I remember visiting those folks, and I'm not saying people there were not getting paid anything, but they're not just there for the salary. They're, right. they're there for the social implications. Right. Or the change that it's going to make 
and it may sound schmaltzy, but what the impact it's going to have on the world. Right. Well, I think that's more and more what people are focusing on is what kind of a different. And when I when I hire people, that's one of the things I want to see is do they want to make a difference? You know, that's one of the things that our engineering mission is to um, is to improve the craft of software for future generations. Right. That's one thing that I want people on my team like trying to. We're doing hard stuff. We're doing cool stuff. Mobile's crazy yep. right now. And we're doing some things that other people aren't doing. And we've historically done a bunch of firsts. And we continue to do firsts. We've had two two firsts in the last month um, that just people have never tried. And we did it. So that's cool things. That's the sort of things. And a lot of companies keep that under the belt. But right. can you expose that and generate that excitement? Can you open source it? Yep. In some cases, right? And can you prove that you share? So the open sourcing is, is I think, a part of that sometimes. I remember at iContact, we uh, we open sourced some PHP interfaces for Cucumber and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And just something simple like that had a different statement for us. You know, right. you know, we, 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 we threw it out there. It, it gave a different twist, I think, for us, a slightly different twist. In our recruiting, we mentioned that, not always, but right. but it came up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also f- uh, sponsored open source uh, as part of the job. Is we we really uh, would allocate time if someone was interested in doing things like that, uh, work time for that. So we would sort of sponsor open source projects. Right. Cool. Good good metacast, bad metacast. What do you think? I think it was good. It's you know when the last episode that came out was around the essence of agile, and to me it all boils down to the people and the discussions. So that's why hiring the right people is going to be so important to your agile execution, right? It gets down to the people and the trust they have with each other. Well, it's it's all these, you know, millennial, there's all these different generations, but, you know, I'm looking for common fact. Like, if you're just here for the money, hit the road. Right. If you're just here to write code, if you're here as a purist, right, if, if all I'll ever do is back-end database code, hit the road. I mean, go, it's, you're okay, but go somewhere else. Right. Uh, if you're an asshole, right? If you if it's all about you and it's not about the team, you know, God bless you. <laughs> Go somewhere else, etc. I mean, it really is sort of it is, but it is principle based. The success, I, and I think in agile and beyond, recruiting success is more of like people principles. To your point, mm-hmm. and you and you get the results from the thing. Cool. Down the road, we should talk in another metacast. We should explore this sort of distribute not not in a few weeks. But this distributed team thing we were talking about, you know, yeah. and, and how to build that. Maybe we actually bring, maybe you and I could bring, we've talked about bringing a third party in sometime. Yeah. Maybe someone who's done it. Okay. Or done it reasonably successfully. Yeah, or something. so if you've done that out there, let us know. Yeah, let us know. We, we'd like it, We'd like to partner with you. Uh, and we're respectful. We're not going to challenge you about it, but I'd, I'd like to hear... You know, what are some of the techniques for building these high-performance distributed teams? Mm-hmm. And what are some of the challenges? I mean, Josh and I are experienced enough to know that it's not, you know, you didn't do it sort of challenge-free. So, it's like, what, right. what are some of the dynamics around that? So, how do folks get in touch with us, How do Josh? they get in touch with us well, Bob? I don't think you've ever asked that question before. I don't. It's the first time. Thank yeah. At least do you need a little time to think about it? I do. Okay, I'm ready. Um, so we are at metacast.com. That's with a hyphen between the A and the C. You can find us on Twitter, meta-cast, all spelled out. We're on Facebook. We're on iTunes. We are everywhere. We're everywhere. We are everywhere. So please find us. Please reach out to us. Please leave a comment. Ask a question. Do whatever. We are ready to respond. Absolutely. We're here for you.
<laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> yeah. So, from beautiful downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all. <laughs>